devil won't fight fair. He'll use every subtle weapon at his disposal. That's the plain truth that we hear today from Dr. J. Vernon McGee on the Sunday Sermon. Welcome to Through the Bible. I'm Steve Schwetz, inviting you aboard the Bible bus as we set off for Ephesians chapter 6. So grab your Bible and get ready to learn how to put on the whole armor of God and prepare to battle the greatest enemy the world has ever known. Our message, The Christian Conflict, begins in just a minute. But first, here's a quick letter from Phil in Arizona. I discovered you while driving to work one day and haven't missed since. In fact, since COVID closed the church we attended, my wife and I, and occasionally other family members, worship in our living room via ttb.org. With the letters you share, I feel connected with believers all around the world. I'm in my 60s and I don't know when I was saved, but am sure that I am. I have read many of the outstanding booklets by Dr. McGee, but the one that was most helpful in this regard was titled, Rest Assured, Conquering Your Doubts About Your Salvation. I like to send links to selected sermons by Dr. McGee, Q&As, and daily lessons to others, and I like to give out Bibles with Bible bus passes attached. Dr. McGee always said we should support Christian ministries that have blessed us, so my financial support is a privilege. I'm looking forward to meeting everyone on the Bible bus, either on earth or in heaven. Well, thanks, Phil. Thanks for all that you're doing to get the word out. And if you want to check out that booklet that Phil mentioned, you'll find all of our titles at ttb.org forward slash booklets. Now let's pray and get started. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can rest in the knowledge that with you on our side, we'll be victorious. Please fill us with your truth and teach us to stand against the fiery darts of our enemy. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's the Sunday Sermon on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. I would like to read a scripture. It's one of the most remarkable passages in the Word of God. It's found in the sixth chapter of Ephesians, beginning with verse 10. And if you have your Bible, you will probably want to follow along with us in that particular uh, place. Ephesians 6, beginning with verse 10. Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints." Now, I'm going to break off the reading at that particular juncture. The subject this evening is 
the conflict of the Christian, or, if you want to put it in quotation marks and put your name there, it's my struggle. Someone asked this morning, was I going to give a personal testimony tonight? And the answer to that is, of course, I'm not, because my struggle is your struggle as a believer. This is a struggle that we're all engaged in. Now, perhaps you thought it was rather far-fetched to have a series on angels when we began several weeks ago. Angels out in the far-flung reaches of space, they seem rather far removed from the streets of Los Angeles. It's very difficult to gear the heavenly hosts into freeway traveling, split-level living, and color TV viewing. They are much closer, however, and they have more reality than flying saucers and men from Mars. Fact of the matter is, these are spoken of today by actually intelligent men as if they exist, and yet these same men will deny the existence of angels. May I say to you that angels are a reality and these others are myths. It's difficult, therefore, to mesh into the living today that we have, but you can bring these right down to our meat and potato circuit that most of us are on today. You and I tonight are engaged in a staggering struggle in which angels and demons are involved. We are involved in a battle for survival, light and darkness, right and wrong, justice and injustice, liberty and slavery. God and Satan have clashed in a duel that has eternal consequences. It's greater than any world war. In fact, a world war is very small compared to it. The armies of heaven and of hell are in a death grapple. The Christian today is told in no unmistakable terms that he's drafted into the army of the Lord and that war is declared, the enemy is identified, the armies are drawn up in battle array and there'll be no truce. God has said he'll never accept the white truce of surrender from sin. He intends to drive it from his universe. He intends to eliminate it out of this world in which we live. And so tonight, we want to look at this struggle as it relates to you and me, for you and I tonight are involved in it. And therefore, any of us can say, it's my struggle. And Paul begins here by saying, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. This is a battle that your physical strength and your human best is not enough. In fact, if that's all that you're bringing into the battle, you have too little too late, and it will mean defeat for you. 
You and I need the power of the Lord, and it's only in the power of His might is there any possibility of any victory. Now he says to us to put on the whole armor of God, and we are to put on the whole armor of God that, we, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, in the Greek, Paul is playing upon two Greek words, and we miss that in our translation. May I just spell it out like this? He says, put on the whole panoplia of God that you may be able to stand against the methodia of the devil. He's putting those two words in apposition. The armor of God is what you and I need, the panoplia, in order to overcome the methodia, or as our translation has it, the wiles of the devil. Now, this is a struggle that the Word of God recognizes in the 13th chapter of Romans, verses 11 and 12. We have language like this, and that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. And this is the armor that Paul will give to us now in great detail in this particular passage. He says, because of the fact that we are living in the last days, and because we've advanced far into the night, and I do not think that anyone would debate the point that we tonight are not far along toward a crisis, a crisis that evidently God's going to enter into it directly. There are many to, today that believe that God is going to take some direct action as far as this earth is concerned. And as far as we can tell, for 1,900 years, he's had a hands-off policy. But there is coming a day when he will intervene. In view of that, and because of the present darkness, he says we are to put on the armor of light. Now, the reason is because of the methodia, the wiles of the devil. The devil will not fight fair. He'll use every subtle weapon that's at his disposal. To begin with, his power and wisdom is far above ours. We're no match for him. And added to that, of course, is the fact that he'll not fight fair. The Lord Jesus himself said that he was a liar and he was a murderer from the beginning, and he'll use those two methods against God's children. He tried to get at Job. And you remember, God says, you can't touch his body even. And finally, Satan said, I've got to get to him. God says, you can, you can bring him down, but you cannot take his life. Uh, this, this enemy of ours, uh, I'm confident, would eliminate every child of God if God permitted him to do it. He's a liar, though, and I think he uses two methods against the child of God. He will use lies against you. You are, If you are a Christian, 
you're going to be misrepresented. I'm sure that all of you have had that experience in one way or another. As someone has said that some people will believe anything if it's whispered to them. And it's amazing today how uh, even in church, someone reaches over and says, Have you heard? <laughs> and that's all they need to hear. Have you heard? And their eyes and ears, in fact, every avenue for receiving information is open uh, because they haven't heard and they do want to hear. It, it's amazing today uh, how a great many Christians become the, uh, the uh, apostle for the devil instead of being the apostle for the Lord Jesus Christ. They never give the gospel, but they will give that which hurts another believer. And they become immediately the instrument of Satan. The minute that you begin to malign another child of God, that very moment, you're an apostle of the devil. You're using, you're using his method. In fact, you're falling into his trap. It'd be a wonderful thing today if people in the church the minute they hear gossip relative to anyone, if they just take that individual by the arm and say, say, let's go to this party that you're talking about and find out if that's true. I think if you do that, it'll stop gossip almost overnight because these folk, for one thing, they're not willing to face up to it. Paul always made those who gossiped to him face up to it. When he wrote the Corinthians, the first thing he said to it, it has been told to me by the household of Chloe. He said, I want to know whether they're gossiping or not. He, he laid it on the line for them. That's a one method of Satan. He's a liar and he's a murderer. And he doesn't always pull a gun. And he sometimes puts a knife in your back. That's one of his methods. And then his other method is to deceive you and me with lies. Uh, he uses that method today. You know that he's made multitudes today right here in this country of intelligent people believe that uh, liquor is a mark of distinction and sophistication and that there's something wrong with you if you don't take a drink. Multitudes of people believe that today. May I say to you, he has many methods. He's made literally millions of boys and girls believe that freedom and sex is smart and clever. And he didn't finish the story. He didn't tell them they could never have the kind of a family that they should have. And he's made literally millions of people today believe that they have enough things, they'll be happy that that's all they need. And then he's made the citizens of this country believe that we do not need discipline and laws today, that we can throw off all restraint. We don't need jails. We don't need gas chambers. May I say to you, as one missionary said to me from Africa, he says, it's safer to walk the jungle trail in Africa today than it is the streets of Los Angeles. And that is true. It's not safe today for women to walk the streets of Los Angeles and in some sections at night. Murders taking place that are unspeakable in their brutality today. Sadistic and abnormal interests today in them. And they're not taking place on Skid Row. 
but in the respectable suburban neighborhoods today. That's where they're taking place. It was C.S. Lewis who wrote the Screwtape Papers, the Screwtape Letters. He, uh, he was a, an egghead. He was a brain. He was a don in Oxford, one of their teachers, teacher of philosophy, a brilliant man. He, uh, he made fun of the liberals in the Screwtape Papers who did not believe in a personal devil. And he wrote this. I'm quoting from him now. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the demons. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors, and they hail a materialist are a magician with the same delight. What a quotation. Satan today operates in many other areas. He is called in Scripture, and let me mention these again, he's called the God of this world. He is back of all the false cults today. He's more interested in religion than anything else. And he this idea today that the devil wants to get you down on Skid Row. He'd like to have you out on Wilshire Boulevard to tell the truth. He'd like to have you in a liberal church. He'd like to have you in a cult because he operates all of these. The Lord Jesus called him the father of lies, and he is seeking to ruin and to wreck. But he's also called an angel of light. What deception he uses. There are those that come to me and say, Dr. McGee, you say this cult is wrong. Now, I went out, and one of the loveliest men stood up, gray-haired, grandfatherly-looking, fine-looking specimen. Or I went, and my, what a beautiful woman she was. You don't think that sweet thing could be backing a cult, do you? My beloved, Paul said, the devil has his ministers as angels of light. They're not demons in the sense that they have a forked tail or growing horns. They're not that at all. They're just about as attractive as human beings can possibly be. And that is the picture that we're given here. Not only that, but we are told that he is today trying to seduce the elect. The Lord Jesus says if it were possible, he would deceive the elect, and that he oppresses them. And he also is one that leads into apostasy. For we are told that doctrines of demons is what will characterize the last days. So this one today is using methodia. He is using the wiles. It's the wiles of the devil. And this, my beloved, is what Paul is telling us here. Now he goes on, and again, may I say, this is a remarkable passage of Scripture that we have. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, 
against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, I want to give you another translation. Uh, I would not recommend it, but it's one that is very literal, and it's my own. Will you listen to it? For our wrestling is not against blood and flesh, but against the principalities, against powers, against the world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual hosts of evil in the heavenly places. Now, first of all, our enemy has been sighted, and the enemy is not a flesh and blood enemy. He's not a human being, to tell the truth. Uh, a great many of us today as believers ought to always try to center our attention on some individual as if that individual is our enemy. Actually, the child of God has no human enemy. The enemy is a spiritual enemy, and he's an enemy that cannot be seen. That's what makes it dangerous. Now, it's not a human being, and I'd want to emphasize that for the very simple reason that there are a great many folk today that uh, they speak very disrespectful even of the devil. And you will find out that we are told in the epistle of Jude that even the archangel Michael, in speaking to Satan, he said to him, Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. He had respect to him of who he was and his position. And that is something that we need to recognize. Paul, have you ever noticed that Paul showed great respect and regard for the religious rulers? You will recall that he was arrested yonder in Jerusalem. He was brought before the chief priests, and obviously Paul's thorn in the flesh was eye trouble. He couldn't see. And when he was brought before the chief priests, we read this in Acts 23, and the high priest Ananias commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. And a soldier hit Paul on the mouth. Well, what would you do if somebody hit you on the mouth? And you want to know what's in the human heart, you go out here on the corner of six and hope and hit the first fellow in the mouth that comes along. You find out what comes out, that the Word of God's accurate. Their mouth is full of cursing. That's what'll come out. Now, he hit Paul on the mouth. Now, Paul's not about to curse, but listen to him. Then said Paul unto him, God shall smite thee, thou whited's wall. I want to tell you, that's not very polite. And he said that to him, Thou why, why did well, for sittest thou to judge me after the law, and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law? And they that stood by said, Revilest thou God's high priest? Then said Paul, I wist not, I know not, brethren, I did not know that he was the high priest, for it's written, Thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. And Paul apologized, because Paul would never, even against his enemy, would never have brought that kind of an accusation. 
And you'll find that when he's brought before Felix and Festus and Agrippa and then the captain on shipboard, Paul uses the utmost courtesy, and all of those men were sending him to his death. Certainly, they were his enemy. And yet, Paul the Apostle exhibited that. Paul says that you and I do not have a flesh and blood enemy. That's not our enemy tonight at all. But our enemy is a spiritual enemy, and he's divided here like this. And I want you to notice this. You remember when we saw the verse in Colossians that the Lord Jesus Christ created these things that are visible and invisible? and these different gradation of spiritual powers. Now we have them here on the other side, principalities. And these are organized, may I say to you, as an army would be organized with generals and colonels and majors and uh, uh, captains and lieutenants and sergeants and corporals, buck privates in the rear rank. I think they're all. In the demon world today, when those angels fell, there were all gradations of angels. And God on his side has the angels organized the same way. So that if you want to look at this, principalities, those are generals. They have the oversight of nations. Powers, I think they're just privates. They are demons who want to possess human beings. World rulers of this darkness are demons who have charge of Satan's worldly business. And then spiritual wickedness in the heavenless are demons who have charge of religion. Now, these are organized, so well organized that when the battle is carried on, that one will have respect for the other. And here is without doubt one of the most remarkable passages in the Word of God. That's in the Old Testament. We read the one in the New Testament. But will you notice this? We read in the 10th chapter of the book of Daniel. And in this 10th chapter, Daniel is now under the Persian ruler. The man that is now the emperor is Cyrus the Great. Apparently a man that Daniel was able to win to the Lord. But he became concerned because they were coming to the end of this period that, uh, that had been prophesied by Jeremiah. And so Daniel went to God in prayer, and he tells us this, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar, and the thing was true, but the time appointed was long and he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. Now listen to him. In those days, I, Daniel, was in mourning three full weeks. He was fasting and praying for three full weeks. And this man was disturbed because when he prayed, he always got answers to his prayer. And three weeks went by and he did not get any answers to his prayer. That wouldn't disturb many of us, would it? Because some of us pray and seem like we never get answers. But Daniel got answers to his prayer. And if we don't, we ought to really look into the matter. Now, this man Daniel was concerned, so he fasted and prayed for 21 days, three weeks. So what happened? Well, he tells us that 
finally, that he got an answer. And when he got an answer, he also got an explanation. Will you listen to this? He says here, verse 9, Yet heard I the voice of his words. When I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, my face toward the ground, and behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. He was down on all fours now. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved. That was a wonderful word to give Daniel, and it was nice to have a word from heaven that he was loved up there. A man greatly beloved. Understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Now listen to this. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy word. He says to Daniel, Daniel, three weeks ago when you prayed, God sent me to answer your prayer. What would you say to the angel? You'd say, well, where in the world have you been? And if you read the ninth chapter, he's really late because it took Gabriel three minutes to get here. Old Dr. Gabeline used to read the ninth chapter in Hebrew to us, and he said in his broken accent, he'd say, see, it took three minutes. From the time Daniel began that prayer, the angel Gabriel was sent, and when he finished the prayer, Gabriel was there. He says, it takes three minutes from heaven to earth. He's late. This messenger's late. Where have you been? Will you listen to this? And this is an eye-opener to one of the strangest factors that you and I know nothing about tonight. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. How long is one and twenty days? Three weeks ago. When Daniel began to pray, this angel was sent to answer the prayer, and what happened? The prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now, this is no human being. This is the, the demon that Satan had over the kingdom of Persia. And he did not want the message to get through to Daniel as it pertained to Persia. For Persia was to give the decree that would permit the children of Israel to return back to the land. And so the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. He couldn't get through. Why? I do not know. He was a sergeant, a lieutenant, or a captain. But the one that was standing against him was one that was in the rank of a colonel, maybe a general. He had charge of nations. And this angel said, I couldn't get by him. Now what did he do? But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. I had to have an archangel. And the archangel came and I remain there with the kings of Persia. Now I'm come to make thee understand. May I say to you, here it was the spiritual warfare, a warfare in, in which Daniel is engaged in prayer. And now do you begin to see what Paul is saying here? For our enemy is not flesh and blood, but we wrestle, and that's a, that is as close grappling as you can get, is wrestling. That's body contact. And 
These are the enemies, principalities and powers and world rulers of this darkness and spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies, different gradations of spiritual enemies. And they are the ones that hinder our prayers. My, one of the reasons that so many of us are so ineffective in prayer, we do not recognize our enemy at all or how to overcome him. Now, this is the enemy. Now, will you listen as he begins now to set before us the battle? And I'd like to read verse 13. Wherefore, take up the panoplyon of God in order that she may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. And you notice here that he's mentioned the word stand. Actually, the song for Christians is not onward Christian soldiers. Frankly, that's not a very appropriate song for a group of defeated Christians to sing. But I'll tell you one that is appropriate, and that is stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. We're called upon to stand. Someone has said, as pilgrims we walk, as witnesses we go, as contenders we run, but as fighters we stand. And we're to stand, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. Now he begins to tell them what they're to put on. And I'm going to very briefly mention this armor that's to be put on. And the first thing that he mentions here is having your loins girded with truth. That truth primarily is the Word of God. And, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ is the truth also. And you have your loins girded with truth. And the girdle in an oriental garb or a Roman garb held everything together. May I say to you that the Word of God, the truth, holds everything together. The minute that you get away from that, may I say, you'll lose everything. You cannot be a soldier and be ignorant of the Word of God. And so the first thing is to have your loins girded with truth, and then put on the breastplate of righteousness, that which protects the vital part of us. It protects the heart. It protects all of the living quarters of the soldier. And this is the place where we get disturbed today, the breastplate of righteousness. And then having your feet shod with the preparedness, actually the foundation of the gospel of peace. That's the foundation. No other foundation can any man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And this is the foundation on which we rest. It's the only foundation. You cannot fight unless you can stand. How important that is. They tell you that in boxing. And these men back here who are expert golfers, they'll tell you that uh, you've just got to be able to get your position and your feet must be in a solid place before you can hit the ball. And then sometimes you don't hit it. But you've got to have your feet soft. Your feet must be anchored. And today, the child of God, that's not on the foundation, that foundation which is Jesus Christ today. Certainly he's going to wobble today. Certainly he's going to stumble today. And certainly the enemy will be able to overcome him. And then we're told that in addition to all, we're told here, in addition to all, 
taking up the shield of faith. And actually, it means above all. And it's really a door of faith. Have you ever seen the shields that the Roman hoplites used? It was, it's called a door. It's that big. Covered the entire body. And he put it up in front of him. And the hoplites would put just a regular barrier down of these shields. Then they'd stand back of them while the enemy made the attack. Then they'd move forward and put them down again. And that's the way that they would advance, was by these doors or these shields that they had. Now the child of God is told here, in addition to all, taking the shield of faith. And why? With which ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now may I say this tonight very carefully. I believe in apologetics and all of these very fine books on archaeology and on science that confirm the Bible. But in the final analysis, my friend, you will have to get back of the shield of faith. You will have to be back of the shield of faith. You cannot come. You cannot overcome. You cannot stand against the enemy just on the basis of intellect, just on the basis today of one man meeting another man in an argument. It doesn't make any difference which side you're on. The smart man will win every time. The question is faith, a, a living faith. You remember that, that Bunyan in Pilgrim's Progress. He has Pilgrim. John Despair, you remember, got him and put him in his castle and put him down in the dungeon. And poor Pilgrim said, it's all up. I, I'm through. Down in the dungeon in the castle of giant despair. And the angel said to him, why don't you use the key you got? He said, I don't have a key. He said, yes, you do. He says, what is it? The angel said, it's faith. Faith will open the door. Faith will bring you out. May I say to you tonight, friends, we're living in a day when a great many people in this materialistic age, they think if they could just get it into their hands or look at it under a microscope, that would convince you. What would it convince you of? What is it today? What is the real problem today? The real problem is lack of faith. Oh, my beloved, to believe God today. That is the shield and the only shield That'll keep the fiery darts of the wicked one away from you. Now he says, not only that, take the helmet, which is salvation. And I'm glad that's next, because it protects the brain, the mind. And God does make an appeal to the mind. And God's never asking you to believe anything that's contrary to reason. I cannot accept this statement that faith is a leap in the dark. If it's a leap in the dark, don't take the leap. God says, unless you know where you're leaping, don't leap. God's not asking you to do something that's strange tonight. God is appealing to you on the basis of reason and intellect. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. God has a document. God asks you to believe the evidence that he wants to present to you. He wants you to take the helmet of salvation. 
and we do need to be able to meet these men intellectually. And then he tells us not only that, that he is the one that provides the only weapon that we have for offense. Everything now is for defense. He says here, taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, the, these, the sword of the Spirit is not to run around just to punch people with. Give them a little verse of Scripture every now and then. Uh, I'm of the opinion today, as I've been talking to some young folk that have been actually driven away from the church, driven away even from their home. They've been pricked so much with the Word of God, and I don't think that's the way you do it. That's not the way the sword is to be used. Did you know that the Roman, uh, the Roman Empire gave a man or, that was in the, the army, gave him literally years of practice with that sword before he put it in his hand and let him go to, into battle? He never threw. The Roman government would never throw a man into battle that did not know how to use that sword because it was hand-to-hand encounter. And there's a man that walks up and down the street here with a Bible under his arm, yelling at the top of his voice. And if you say anything to him, he'll curse you out. And I think, my, what a messenger Satan has in downtown Los Angeles. My friend, we're to use the sword skillfully, and we're to use it intelligently today. The Word of God should be handled intelligently today and in a way that will not bring disrepute on the cause of Christ. And then finally, praying always in prayer, in the Spirit. And this is real prayer. This is not some little prayer meeting where a few cold Christians come together and, and remember a few petitions. This is a prayer made in the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's only that kind of a prayer that will enable us to overcome. You and I tonight, friends, are in a battle it's a tremendous battle. We are asked to stand. And the only way you and I can stand tonight is to take the armor of God. And with that armor of God, you cannot be touched by the enemy. He cannot touch you. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. And with that armor, you and I can go through this world today and live for God. Oh, that you and I tonight as Christians might recognize we've got an enemy. It's a spiritual enemy. He's greater than we are. And tonight, he's getting a victory over many believers just because of their ignorance, just because they're not putting on the whole armor of God. May God lead us. Put on the armor. May God enable us today to stand for him, having done all to share today's message, The Christian Conflict with Someone Else, just visit ttb.org. And for more great teaching in Ephesians, why don't you join me daily for Through the Bible? You can listen online, by app, or you can find a local radio station. You can do it all at ttb.org. Or if you'd like to find out about the ways that we make Dr. McGee's entire five-year journey through God's Word available, you can call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE. 
I'm Steve Schwetz, thanking God for his promise found in Ephesians 6, that in him we have the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, and all that is needed to live a victorious Christian life. Join us each weekday for our five-year daily study through the whole Word of God. Check for times on this station or look for Through the Bible in your favorite podcast store and always at ttb.org.